Amen. God's done all he needs to do this morning. Amen. We've had a tremendous time and to appreciate that. And as Pastor was preaching, we were praying. I just felt this, this fear which has been upon me for the whole week just kind of dissipate. Amen. So I appreciate Pastor Body. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have Bibles, turn with me very quickly to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, um, verses 38 to 42. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. A couple of weeks ago, my, my wife and myself, we were invited to my, my cousin's wedding. It was um, near Heathrow Airport, um, or just past there, in this, this, this huge stately home. And um, you know, so we left Northampton about 10 o'clock in the morning, drove down to Stamford Hill where the, ser- where the service was. They were married there. Then the reception was, was held in this, in this huge stately home. We were stuck in traffic for hours. And um, we, we finally got to, the, to the, the venue about half five, quarter to six, where we were served some, some canopies, which was cool. Some had champagne. We had orange juice. And... Um, you know, then they took us on a, 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 a tour of the manor house, you know, showing all these, these antiques and there were pictures of the family who lived there and um, they, they still live there, and pictures of them with the queen and, 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 and so on, you know. And to be quite honest, people were like, oh, and oh, and they were really enjoying it. And I'm like, no, I want to go and get me some food, amen. I, I left home hours ago, I need to eat some food. Anyway, eventually they took us to what they call the conservatory, which was bigger than this building, and this is where the, 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 the supper or the, the, the meal was going to be served. So we got to our table, and at each table it had these little cards, so I picked one up and it was the menu. So I was looking at the menu and I, I got really excited, because it had, there was chicken, there was beef, there was sea bass and this and that, and I'm like, wow, praise God, finally. So, so I'm kind of showing my wife, I said, hey, babe, man, we're going to get hooked up this morning, this evening. So um, she says, no, no, no. She says, no, you can have chicken or beef. Or you can have, I'm like, hold on a Because the truth is, you know, I wanted chicken and beef. I wanted rice and potato. Then when I looked at the dessert, you know, I was torn once again because it was apple tart or chocolate fudge cake. And I'm like, hold on I said, I want both. I didn't want an either or an or. I wanted both. Because the reality is, in life, many times, it's either or. You're either in or you're, you're either for or friend or foe. You're either a sinner or a saint. And even Jesus himself, he spoke, he says you're either hot or you are. So much of life is about either Oh, and what that speaks of this morning, church, is the need to make a choice. And my prayer this morning, apart from the fact that you all stay awake, <laughs> is that we leave this place, this tonight, having made a choice. But not an either or choice. Not that we are either hearers or doers, but that we leave this place having heard and do. In the text we're about to read, we see either or at work. There are two sisters. The younger one is challenged by her older sister to make a a decision to either be a worshipper or a worker. 
But the younger sister, Mary, her attitude is when it comes to Jesus, it's not either or. You see, church, Mary in our text, she's a picture of a worshiper and a worker. And that is what God has called every single one of us in this place to be. Not to be a worshiper or a worker, but to be a worshiper and a worker. I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Seamless. Looking at our text, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. The Bible says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village. A certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary who, was that word, next word? You guys following me? Don't look at me, look at your Bible, amen. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. In our text, Jesus, he's welcomed into the house of some friends who live in, in Bethany. And you can just imagine Martha's joy. Now, unlike many people who were around them, these sisters, they knew who Jesus was. They knew that the Messiah was coming to their house. So for them, this was an honor. Martha was so excited that Jesus was coming to, to visit them, that she was running around the house and she was fasting. She wanted to make sure that everything was in place. Consider this. This is no ordinary guest. This is Jesus. This is the Christ. This is the Messiah. Now, when we were young, the house, our house had two receptions. There was what we called the living room, which is where we spent most of our time. And there was what you called the sitting room. Now, the sitting room was reserved for certain guests. No, we weren't even allowed to open the door, the door to, to look inside the sitting room. Our place, some of you West Indians know where I'm coming from, you know. No, you lived in the living room. That's why it says live. Some of you still trying to catch on, but anyway. This is my mum's special room. No, this room was like holy ground. And you, you dare not enter. No, this room had special sofas, which were always covered. <laughs> it had a cabinet full of glasses that no one could drink out of. So you guys are feeling me. You know where I'm coming from now. So if someone came into the house and they were entertained in that room, that's a special person. A fuss was made over them. They were allowed to sit on the covered sofas. They were allowed to drink from the glasses no one ever drank from. They were served cheese and hot dog and a glazed cherry on a cocktail stick. So when this happened, you knew this was a special person. 
This is what we see taking place in our text. Because, see, there is no more special guest than Jesus. And in our text, Martha wanted to ensure that everything was just right. She spent her entire time running around and she failed to take advantage of the fact that she had an audience of Jesus in her very house. See, most of the time when we consider this text, Martha was seen as a worker. She's the one running around and serving Jesus and the other guests, while her, her sister Mary is seen as the lazy sister, the sister who no man should consider as a wife. <laughs> See, Martha is... is uh, well, we all need to work, don't we, really? Anyway, let's carry on. See, Martha's seen running around, making sure the guests are comfortable, that they have all they need, and Mary seems to be the one who's sitting back enjoying her sister's hospitality. See, but this is not a fair portrayal of Mary, or this is not even what our text actually depicts. I want you to look with me very quickly at verse 39. We've got our Bibles. Let's look at verse 39. We're going to read it together in concert. On the count of three. One, two, three. And she had a sister called Mary who, okay, also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. The word also, it comes from the Greek word. I'm not Pastor Darkwas. I need to look at this. <laughs> Pastor Darkwas is amazing. I mean, I pay homage. Amen. Hallelujah. That's for you, Pastor Dark, but not for me, by the way, that clap. Hallelujah. And one of the different, so, so, so the Greek word is kahi. And he'll tell me if I pronounce it right or not. And one of its definitions is the word when. So what that means is that Mary was doing something before she sat down at Jesus' feet. The New American Standard Bible says, in this text, it says, And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. And the word moreover, it means furthermore. It means in addition to. So the fact that the word also is placed before it states that Mary sat down, it infers that Mary was doing something before she sat down. So she's worth marrying. <laughs> See, so that word also, it has significance. One man puts it this way. He says, in verb tenses with many parts, also comes after the first part and before the second. That means there is indeed a first part and that sitting at Jesus' feet was the second part. Mary had already done something prior to that and that was she served and helped with preparation because of the context of the story. So in layman's terms, what, he, what he's basically saying is that Mary helped to serve and after she served, she sat down at the feet of Jesus. Ron Wiersbe puts it this way, he says, Mary had done her share of work in the kitchen and had then gone to feed on the Lord's teaching. 
See, so what our text is saying to us this morning, church, is that Mary didn't leave her sister to do all the work. She helped to get the place ready. She, she helped to cook the meal. She, she laid the table. But when all the work was done, the Bible says she took her plate at the feet of Jesus because she wanted to gain something from what he had to say. But it also says that Martha felt neglected that Mary had left the kitchen. She began to complain. But the truth is the work is already done. So what we see in our text is Martha was just being a busybody. And she started to do things which really didn't need to be done at that time. The house was ready, the meal was prepared, the guests were happy, they were eating, and now here they are, and they are feeding on the word of Jesus Christ. But here's Mary, she, not Mary, Martha, she's running around doing stuff which doesn't need to be done at that time. Starts cleaning the windows. She starts to clean the oven. And she's getting vexed with her sister. Now, have you ever, you know, you said, I need to go to bed early. But then you find yourself, well, not so much, but you find yourself hoovering, or my wife does hoovering, and then you put some washing, and you're like, hold on a second, go to bed. It's bedtime. And so we see here with Martha, she's, there's nothing wrong with these things, but what we're speaking about this morning, church, is priority. And the priority should have been sitting at the feet of Jesus and gleaning from his words. So she starts to complain. This is why Jesus says in verse 42, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. Now here's Martha, she's moaning and she's complaining. Come and help me. Mary's like, hold a second. We can do that stuff later. We can do that stuff when Jesus has gone. So what you need to do is come and take a seat because many commentators actually believe that Martha also had a seat reserved for her at the feet of Jesus. But the truth is, she, it wasn't her priority. Imagine with me, Jesus is in your house, he's throwing it down. But rather than to sit down and to listen to what he has to say, you find yourself doing dishes and cleaning cupboards and arranging tins and cans. That sounds kind of crazy. Why would you do that when Jesus is in the house? Why would you do that? But the truth is, there are some folks in our churches who do the exact same thing. They come to church, and rather than sit down and, and hear the preaching, they're doing stuff they should have done either before the service or should be doing after the service. Now, hold on a second. Look, the word of God is being thrown down, and this is the time you feel to go and pick up leaves in the car park. <laughs> no, the only time I allow, I would, no, and this is just me personally, the only time I allow the, the ushers to, to count the offering during service is if we have a visiting preacher from abroad. We need to see how much money we've got to give him because we can't give him a check. But outside of that, you need to be sat down listening to the word of God. Don't go around asking for what would the pastor preach? Oh, no, you should have been there. It's about priority this morning, church. It's not either or. You can do both. Prioritize. See, in our text, Martha had an either or mentality. Either you work for Jesus or you listen to him. But see, Mary says, you know what, I can do both. I want to do both. At my cousin's wedding, I didn't want chicken or beef. I wanted both. In the end, I got both. Amen. 
story. I don't, I don't believe it's either or. Like, give me both. Hallelujah. And that's what we need in our churches. Not, chicken, not more chicken and beef. I mean, but we need more people in our churches who say, you know what? No, I'm not an either or Christian. No, it's not either outreach or prayer meeting. No, no, you need to come to both. You've got little kids, you know I mean, they need to come to both. Or even bring the kids, amen, if it's not raining. No, it's not either tithes or offerings. Some pastor said, you do, you do. I'm going to preach that stuff, don't worry about that. Give both. No, it's not either Sunday morning or Sunday evening. <laughs> Straight up, listen to me now. No, it's Sunday morning, it's Sunday evening, and for some of you Wednesday, and for us Thursday. And if it's revival, it's Thursday through to Sunday night. Listen to me. See, these are the types of folks we can build strong churches upon. Many times we're trying to build churches with folks who really, I won't say haven't got it because it takes a while to get it, but folks who don't want to get it. see God bless our churches and experience. We all want revival, yeah? We, we cry out for revival. If we're going to see God pour out revival upon our churches, we are going to need people who are constantly faithful, not constantly unfaithful. We need people who we can rely on. No, we need people who aren't going to pick and choose what they're going to do or what they're going to be involved in. We need folks who are involved 24-7. I'm not speaking here about legalism. What I'm speaking about here is discipleship. Now, it's so difficult to build a church upon unpredictable people. Now, you, you never know if they're going to turn up or not. And what we find many times is you find yourself living in hope. I hope they turn up. I hope they come. I hope they give. We need folks who we can rely on, people we can build upon. We need people like Mary, people who are seamless. Consider with me. Mary's life was so seamless we didn't even notice when she stopped working in the kitchen then when she came and took her seat. We, we had no idea. No, you don't see the transition. No, because one thing blended into another. See, there was no fuss. There's no, one, no big announcement. Okay, I've done the kitchen stuff. Okay, so I'm going to go and take a seat. No, one flowed from the other. Her life was seamless. One flowed into another. And what we desperately need in our churches this morning, church, are folks who are seamless. Turn with me very quickly to um, John chapter 19. John, let's all turn our Bibles to John chapter 19, verses 23 to 24. Let's turn there together. Gospel of John chapter 19, verses 23 to 24. We got that? Okay, let's read. The Bible says... Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts, to each soldier a part, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, 
whose it shall be. In our text, here's Jesus. He's, a, he's close to death. And the Bible says that the soldiers, they're at the bottom of the, of the, the cross. And they're shearing out his stuff. Many say that there was, there was five parts to, to a man's um, um, garments and so on, you know. So, you know, so, so they've shit out the, the first four parts, but in the fifth part is the tunic. And they couldn't decide who should get the tunic. So you can have the handkerchief. You can have, but when it came to the tunic, no, no, so they were all wanting the tunic. But they said, no, we can't tear the tunic and each of us take a piece. So I said, no, what we're going to do is we're going to gamble for it. Bible says they cast lots. The American Standard Bible, it puts it this way. It says, the soldiers, therefore, when they crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts. A part to every soldier and also the tunic. Now, the tunic was seamless, woven in one part, in one piece of it. So here they are, they're quite happy to share out the other items. But when it came to the tunic, they said, hold on a second. So they all said, that's mine. I want it, I want it, no, 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 no. So they said, okay, what we'll do, let's bet. And the reason why neither of them wanted to give up the tunic, because the Bible says in our text, it was seamless. The word seamless it means a fabric or surface, smooth and without seams or obvious joins. Smooth and continuous with no apparent gaps or spaces between one part and the next. So here were the, the soldiers and they're willing to gamble. They're willing to cast lots, the Bible says. These guys were willing to put down money. See, the other parts, they're willing to give and receive free of charge. But the Bible says for the truth, they were willing to put down money. Why? Because it was seamless. And what that shows us is that there is value to be found in seamlessness. There's value to be found in people who are seamless. Oh, God, give us people in our church who will be seamless. Folks who are continuous. People who are consistent. Folks who can be relied upon. See, every pastor, and more importantly, God, places great value on seamlessness. You ever seen those antique shows, antique road show and, and the like? People come, they, they bring their old or inherited um, items. And sometimes, you know, you'll see they, they'll bring a piece of um, pottery or whatever, which is very valuable. But as the expert looks over, they say, oh, but there's a chip or this has been stuck back together or whatever. And they say, well, you know what, it would be worth this. But the fact it's had some damage or it's been stuck back together, its value plummets. What they're saying, this is not seamless. It's been stuck back together. Now text Jesus, he defends Mary. He's not taking sides. But what he's doing is he's honoring a seamless life. Here's Martha, she's rushing around being busy for Christ, but no, she had no time to listen to him. 
here's Jesus in the house and she's doing stuff that really wasn't that important. It wasn't stuff that couldn't wait. There was always going to be housework to be done. The Bible says she chose to do the housework while Jesus was speaking. On the other hand, here is Mary. She, she rushed, she hurried to do what she had to do in terms of work. Then she took her seat at the feet of Jesus. See, for Mary, it wasn't worship or work. She said, I can do both work and worship. See, she understood the importance of being seamless. Charles Wesley, one of his hymns, he says, Faithful to my Lord's commands, I still would choose the better part. Serve with careful Martha's hands and loving Mary's heart. What he's saying here is you don't have to choose either or, that you can do both. But see, what it takes to be the kind of Christian that I'm speaking about this morning is discipline. See, discipline, though, means you have to do things by your time bound. It's doing things at the right time. If you ask my church, the thing that I push more than anything else, more than outreach, more than tithing, more than anything else, they'll tell you it's morning prayer. I mentioned morning prayer before the service, during the service, after the service, we've got a church group, group WhatsApp text thing. I mentioned it on there. Whenever I speak to people, I'll see it morning prayer. Now, I'm constantly, and what it is, and what I'm saying, there needs to be discipline in your life. Listen to me, friends. You know, I say, I'm not banging on about morning prayer because it's just what we do. But listen to me. If a person has a good prayer life, then everything else in their life will fall in place. No, a person who prays is a person who will attend church. A person who prays is a person who will attend outreach. A person who prays is a person who will tithe. A person who prays has a seamless or a good marriage. Listen to me. If we had some discipline. A person who prays is a person who wants to see new converts converted. And what God's looking for from us is seamlessness. Because there's value to be found in that. You know, Pastor Mitchell on Monday night he preached us a powerful sermon. And he made a statement. I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something along the lines of that if we leave this conference and we fail to apply what we've heard, then we failed. That was the first night I thought, man, that's powerful. Hit me right between the eyes. See, we need to take conference with us, church. We've come, we've been stirred, we've been challenged this week. We've come to the altar, we've, we've made decisions, we've spoken to God. But what we now need to do is take those decisions back to our churches and put them in place. Folks have prayed about having compassion for the losses. Um, Pastor Payne spoke of yesterday. Others have pledged to submit themselves to, to, to headship. And all of us have been challenged in one way or another. So what we need to do now is be seamless and take what we've received from conference and apply it in our lives, in our churches, and in our cities. Because if we don't do that, everything we've done this week is in vain. And we'd be no different 
from those religious folks who gather together once a year for once a week, slap each other on the back and just hang out. It will be costing a whole lot of money. For what? There's a purpose for conference. It's to challenge us so we go back to our towns, our cities, and make a difference. But see, conference isn't just about a challenge. It's also to encourage us as well. You know, I thank God, though, when we went from two conferences to one conference, my heart sunk. See, when you're, when you're in Walthamstow, in the mother church, it's all good. But listen, when you're out there, man, this is me, you live for conference. You need, this is me, you need it. You Walthamstow folks, you don't understand. Trust me, you don't know. So you come to conference and you are encouraged and you go back with a, with a, with a fresh reassurance that we can do this thing. That we're not wasting our time. That what we do, it really does work. That we can have revival. And this, this is to me, this is what conference does. I know I'm actually in Northampton. Come on, guys, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. But listen to me, I can only sell it because of conference. So when I go back, you hate more often, amen. Conference Cause us to realize that there really is greater to come. We realize in the week of conference that God really is for us. When you watch the World Evangelism DVDs, you, know, you think, man, no, our fellowship really is having impact. I want you to turn me one last time, one last time to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John 6, look at verses 12 to 13. And we will close and you can go and have your donuts. Gospel of John chapter 6, verse 12 to 13. The Bible says, So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is left, lost, sorry. Therefore they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. We know the story. Here is Jesus. He's just fed anything between five to 20,000 people, if you include women and children, with a little boy's lunch. The Bible says, here they are. They've all been well fed. They couldn't eat another crumb. And after this, Jesus, he tells his disciples to go and collect all the fragments, all the crumbs, and to gather them together. And they collect 12 baskets of crumbs or fragments. By the end of this conference, we will have heard 17 sermons. We will have heard reports. The World Evangelism DVD. That's a lot of spiritual intake in four and a half days. That's, that's a lot. It's a lot of interest. That's a lot to kind of digest. Speaking to some folks from my church before the service, I said, no, it's gone so quickly, but man, there's been so much to, to go away and digest. Because you can't take it all in. This week, we've fed well spiritually. Like those folks who Jesus fed the fish and bread. But notice, despite how much they'd eaten, Jesus told his disciples to collect the fragments and don't allow any of it to waste. On Sunday, Pastor Glenn Bortuni and his wife Kemi, they were with us. They, he preached for us, but they 
wonderful time Sunday. So in between services, um, we went out to a local um, Indian restaurant. We ate our full, but you know, after we'd eaten, there was still some food left on the table. As some of you well-mannered, well-brought-up folks would have just left it, and you know, you would have just gone. But I said to the guy, now, can you bag this stuff up for me, please? You know, <laughs> my, 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 el- my eldest son, man, you know, he, 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 he'd have revival with that. So he, he packed it away, and we, we took it back. Because in my eyes, it was too much to waste. See, in our text, Jesus, he admonishes us not to waste. He wants you and I to, to realize that there is value to be found in leftovers or in fragments. Because, listen to me, church, you know, it's not just about the feasting, the gorging, the receiving right now. Because what you find many times, it's the fragments or the leftovers that keep you going. See, see, no, I'm not sure about you, but whenever I go to a, a buffet restaurant, for some reason, I really can't eat much. Because no, I'm fellowshipping, I'm having a good time or whatever. But listen to me, whenever I'm able to take some food back with me, somewhere along the line, that afternoon, that evening, I begin to tuck into the leftovers. How many people know my son would have been blessed with leftover Peshwari naan and chicken korma? <laughs> Listen to me, man. He'd have had a conference all by himself, man. He'd, like, he'd, into, he'd have gone anywhere in the world, launched himself out. He'd have been blessed by that. <laughs> See, the, the crowd in our text, they were full. But we have to remember, they had a long journey back home. And as they were walking, they'd have walked off what they'd eaten. So Jesus, in his wisdom, he knew that they would hunger again. So he said to the disciples, don't allow anything to waste. He says, because these fragments, as you bag it up for them, they can eat it on their long journey home. And what he was saying is these fragments will sustain them on the journey home. Yes, I know they've eaten, but listen to me, give them a doggy. Listen to me, doggy bags are a blessing. See, I always enjoy food the following day. For some reason, it tastes much better. And that all the ingredients and the spices just really kind of... Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so Jesus is saying, you know what? No, these fragments are going to sustain these people as they make their journey home. And the same thing is true for you and I this evening or this morning, church. We're going back to our churches. We're going back to everyday life. For most of us, this is not everyday life. I wish to God this was everyday life. To see all you beautiful folks. But it's not. I'm going back to my small church, who I love very much. Now, we're not going to be meeting like this for another 12 months. Should God be gracious to us? No, a lot happens in 12 months. A lot happens in a week. Ask Donald Trump, amen. But anyway, <laughs> I won't get into all of that, amen, you know. Amen. See, what we've heard this week, church, it will sustain us. What we've heard, what's been imparted, if we apply it, it will keep us for the next 12 months. See, no, listen to me. If you think you're going to walk out of conference and just disregard everything you've heard and have revival and make it and survive, you're fooling yourself. 
It's as we've taken, though you're not going to remember every single sermon, every single word, but there's certain things you'll remember from each sermon. That's a fragment. That's a crumb. And as you will take that little fragment, you say, this will sustain me throughout the next 12 months. No, oh yes, I shouldn't worry. I need to have some compassion. I need to respect my, listen to me. As you take those fragments over the next 12 months, they will sustain you. So we can't leave behind what we've received this week. And expect to see revival and see God move in our lives. We see, we can't separate what God has done in us this week from what he desires to do throughout the next 12 months. Whatever God's going to do throughout the next 12 months will largely depend upon what he has done in us and what we take from this week. It's not either or. In Martha's eyes, either you work for the Lord or you worship him. And it frustrated her. She had no victory. It's a point where she complained. Maybe there's folks here this morning whose lives are like Martha's. You're frustrated. Could it be because your life is not seamless? Live out your Christian life, either or. You're either up or you're down. You're involved or you're not. You're either full on or you're either full of faith or you're full of doubt. Up and down like a spiritual roller coaster. Listen to me. Mary served Christ fully in working for him and worshipping him. And she was blessed. You, you can't separate the two. You can't separate your worship from your work. And all God is looking for are people who say, Lord, I'm going to serve you faithfully. Now, we, we've made some pledges here. But, but how many people know it's so easy to make a pledge in conference in a setting like this. And then we walk out and we just totally disregard everything we've said and everything we've heard need to live by it, apply it, and share it. God looking for some consistent folks this morning, not spiritual roller coasters. I believe as we apply what we've heard this week, the next 12 months, I believe, could be the best 12 months we've ever had. I'm, I'm telling you, this is not Christian rhetoric. I do genuinely believe that. If we apply what we've heard I believe we could have revival. I believe we could see that breakthrough that we desperately desire to see. But we need to be seamless. Can't disregard what we've heard. No, last night was so powerful. Especially Pastor Ayo and Sister Carolyn. I mean, that was powerful. Here's Pastor Ayo. He's in a conference in Perth earlier this year. And God spoke to him. Now, it's so easy it's so easy. God to speak to you. Yes, Lord, I'll do it. I promise you. Yes, I'll go. And as the months kind of roll on, uh, I know I said it, but you know, I'm beginning to. No, no. He's seamless. If any of you know Pastor Ayo, listen to me. He is seamless. And here they are. They, they stood on the stage last night. Why? Because they applied what God spoke to them and the decision that they made earlier this year. That's what the kingdom needs. Seamless service. Let's leave this place tonight and take what we've received. Live by it, apply it, and share it. Now I'm convinced, should Jesus tarry in 12 months' time, we'll be here next year testifying of all that God has done. As I close, let's consider very quickly, Pastor Wally preached on the Holy Spirit. Let's consider the Trinity very quickly. Three persons in one. 
And what we see here is seamlessness. All three were involved in creation. There's much that we see that God can do through seamless people. And I believe if we'll be seamless, he will cause things to happen. He will create situations whereby we shall receive breakthrough, whereby we shall be blessed. But we've got to take what we've heard this week, live by it, apply it, and share it. And by the grace of God, we'll stand here together in 12 months' time, and we'll share and we'll say, look what the Lord has done. God bless you. That's all I have this morning.